Hi, this is Robert Furl, and welcome to Truth Quest Podcast. This is our Q&A where we look at questions through the lens of Scripture. Our desire is to know what God's Word says so we can know what to believe, rightly dividing the Word of God. The Bible tells us that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, is profitable for reproof, for correction, for doctrine, that the man of God could be thoroughly equipped, lacking in nothing. We're also told by Jesus that we are blessed when we hear and do the things that are written in the Word of God. So it's a good endeavor for us to spend time searching out what God's Word says and how we are supposed to live. Now, the first question that I have is one that is asked often and understandably. Why did God create Satan? Why did God create Lucifer? From the beginning of the of the creation of man, he caused problems, and he's not taken care of until the very end. And during this entire span, through all of humanity, we have Satan causing problems. So if God knew what he was going to do, what he was going to become, why would God make him? Now, this really speaks of a couple of different things. Number one, did, uh, would God have created somebody who would have uh, made, uh, who would have made such a commotion. First of all, let me show you a couple of verses here. Um, Isaiah tells us that God does know the future. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and making from ancient times things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all of my pleasure. Now, not only there does it say that God knows the end from the beginning, but he's going to bring about his will from it. So, when we ask the question, why would God make Satan? There is a connection to God doing his will. Isaiah uh, 39.4 says, For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you shall know all it all together. God knows everything. God knows everything from the beginning to the end. Uh, but also, God doesn't do things the way we do them. So we say, I wouldn't create Satan. I would have created a world that would have been a perfect world where it would have all been like rainbows and sunshine and kittens and puppies. I wouldn't have created a world with suffering and where someone could fall and, and be like Satan. But the Bible tells us in Isaiah 55, 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so the way his, so my ways, God's saying, uh, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when I look at it and go, I wouldn't do it, God says, yeah, I know, because my ways are better and my ways are higher. God has a purpose in what he's doing. So in in uh, Romans uh, 11.33, it says, Oh, the depths and the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So whenever we start asking why questions, why would God have created uh, Satan? Why did God make the world this way? Why is there suffering in the world? We don't have the ultimate answers to that. In fact, Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. So that, hey, that's where we go searching in the word of God. Does the word of God tell us anywhere why God made evil or why, well, God didn't make evil, but why God made uh, Satan? 
And it doesn't say it. I know I, that I know of. Now, there may be a verse that we could find that would go, oh, here's the reason God created it. But what I do know is that God has a plan and that God has a purpose and that God's ways are as high as our ways. Uh, our, his ways are higher above our ways than the heavens are above the earth. Now, a couple of thoughts. First of all, God did not create robots. When God created Satan, he gave him free will, apparently. Then he could fall. And who he was before the fall and who he was after the fall was different. Just like Adam and Eve didn't have a sin nature before the fall, but had a sin nature after the fall. So when Satan fell, he became evil. Now, not only that, God, remember that if God didn't create evil, he became evil. But not only that, God has a purpose for all things, a purpose for suffering and a purpose in knowing I'm going to create man. I'm going to give him free will. I'm going to create angels. I'm going to give them free will. We, the difference between us and the angels is that the angels were already in glory, fell, and apparently can't be redeemed. And we were befallen and can be redeemed. But God has his purposes in all of these things. God says that he can use all things to work together for his good. And so somehow God uses the evil that is in the world. He also created a world that was that allowed for men to be able to fall. And since God is good, when they fall away, there is evil. So there is evil in the world that we are living in today. And God could, could have created the world differently, could have created the world that we interact in differently. But it's been pointed out that perhaps this is the best world that could be created for us to be able to find God in the midst of it. So ultimately, and this is a little bit of a cop-out, we don't really know why God created Lucifer. But we know that God has a plan and God has a purpose in suffering, in evil, in, in sin, that God, there's something that God's doing and that God can cause all things to work together for the good uh, to those who love him. So the question is a little bit unsearchable, as all why questions are. Whenever you ask, why does God, and then you do this, sometimes there's a clear-cut passage in scripture which helps you to understand, oh, that's why God did that. But most of the time, well, the secret things belong to God and the revealed things belong to us. All right, so we have our first question today and good to see you guys here, by the way. Uh, if you have a question, then you can write your, uh, quest uh, your question out, put the word question in front of it, reread it a couple of times to make sure uh, that it makes sense. All right, so Matt um, Crossman says, uh, should we as Christians boycott companies that are selling pride and trans clothing for children? Uh, trans uh, target coals. I realize uh, I could probably find something sinful in all consumer companies, but the targeting of children seems to cross a line and our money would fund that agenda. No. Uh, yeah. Um, I, For the most part, Matt, I am against, for the most part, I am against uh, boycotts because I want those who are in the world to know that we as Christians love them. So when we boycott as Christians to hurt them financially, then I, I just seem to have a problem with that. Um, there's been boycotts throughout the years that people have been upset that I haven't got joined in on or said that we would do it. Now, I'm kind of like you on this. First of all, um, as a Christian, as a church, I would never organize a boycott 
Because again, I don't want a company to think that we're trying to hurt them financially. Um, how, as an individual though, I think what you're saying here, Matt, is, is, is something that, that I would agree with. The targeting of children is crossing the lines. And as an individual, I would say, you know what? I don't want to support the company that would do this. As a Christian group, I would have a problem with it or an organization to try to do it. Now, um, I don't know whether Christians are organizing this boycott, whether it's something that has just happened because, you know, started off with Bud Light a little while ago, right? And they hire someone who's trans and then people are like, you know what? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying their beer. And, uh, and, and then Target and some other outdoor, they're still kind of like drawing lines and they're cutting off part of their consumers. And um, so, yeah, you can choose where you will shop and where you won't shop. And if you don't like some of the things that they're doing, then you can say, I'm going to choose not to shop there. As far as having a boycott, and that's your question, should we as Christians boycott? Um, I, don't, I don't like organized boycotts because I think it sends the wrong message from us as Christians. However, as you know, they make decisions as companies and are they going to hurt them financially? Well, you know, yeah, targeting children has crossed the line. And hey, listen, Disney's been doing this for how long now? How long have, has Hollywood been putting um, characters uh, in movies that are obviously trying to normalize it? So you've got a very small percentage of our of our culture that falls into these categories, and you've got a, a large percentage that are represented in movies. Every movie has someone. Every every um, Disney movie has certain things that they're teaching to kids, and so I wonder about our support of Hollywood. I wonder about our support of Disneyland. Are support of these um, of, of you know of these certain companies, so yeah, I would I would have a tendency to go somewhere else besides Cole or Target to uh, to get what I need if I have that option, but I'm not going to deliberately put a boycott together, put it up in the church, and have the church move in that direction because that's not what I see the church called to do. But we have the right to be able to shop where we want to shop. All right. So thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate the question, and I and I agree with you. Um, Jari says, um, "Is it good, Jari?" Yeah, Jari says. Uh, question follow up: uh, The new heaven and earth will be similar to this one, or um, completely different, or both? Why did God create this world in the first place? Is um, if He was one day going to destroy it? All right, so. Jari, that second part of that comment falls into line with what I was talking about before, that why would God create this world if he was going to create a new one? Uh, because God wanted a place. I'll tell you what I think. Because, and speaking for God is always a dangerous thing. Because God wanted a place where people could freely choose to serve him. And if they didn't choose to serve him, God is good. They would have the opposite in their lives. And so this life is a life where we decide whether or not we want to serve or follow and or live after God. And God created this world that way. The new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem that come down from heaven are a completely different thing. And yes, it varies from it radically. Um, when, when we talk about a perfect world, why didn't God create a perfect world? 
Well, that world's on its way. If you're upset that the world isn't perfect now, just wait. Just serve God and follow Him. And the perfect world's on its way. But before that perfect world, there's struggles and difficulties and hardships and sometimes very, very hard things that we can't answer. But we do know that God works together in all things. Um, God works together in all things to do what it is that God wants to do. He doesn't, he doesn't cause certain things that people do, but he works in them. And so God created man. Man chose to do things that were wrong. God's not responsible for the wrong things that men do. He gave them a choice of, of what they could do or what they wouldn't well, would not do. And um, I just want to go ahead and go here, Jari, to Revelation 21, which gives us um, here uh, the new heaven and the new earth. It says in verse 1, Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So that's one thing different. There's no sea. And I saw the holy city of Jerusalem coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard with a loud voice, and why a bride adorned for her husband? Because we are all going to be there, not only the church, but Israel and anybody who has ever followed after the Lord, the tribulation saints, the church age, um, the, the nation of Israel, and, and people who were of other countries who decided to follow after God. Um, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people. That's a difference between here and now. God's in heaven, but now he's gonna, we're going to live with him in the new Jerusalem. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be death, but we will no longer, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. Or, as some translations say, the former things have passed away. So those things are for here and now, but we're going to a world that is truly like that. And he who sits on the tabernacle said, Behold, make, uh, I am making all things new. And he said, Write these words, faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water to the one who thirsts for the springs of water of life without cost. So that's the new heavens and the new earth and um, why God didn't just go to that because God wanted to give people a chance to serve him or not. You, you, otherwise, you would have created robots. And that wouldn't have been, if God wants to do, a, if God wanted to do a world with free will, and we can make a decision to love him, then there had to be a turning away from him, and there had to be consequences for not following after him. All right, Jari, thank you very much for your question. I really do appreciate it. Good to have you here with us. Good to see all you guys here. Uh, if you are uh, joining us for the first time, good to have you all with us. Uh, you can write your question, put a Q or a question in front of it, write out your question, reread it a couple times, make sure it makes sense, and uh, then we will uh, go ahead and take your question, all right, through the comment section. So, um, Rod Sanchez, um, Rob, uh, is it Shantz? Says, <laughs> sorry, butchered your name. I just shouldn't have tried to say the last names. Jack Hibbs seems to think AI could be the Antichrist. I thought he was supposed to be a man. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I've um, I've never heard. Um, yeah, I've never heard Jack say that. Uh, we have Jack on our radio station, Reach Radio. Um, I've never heard him say that. Um, I think rather what he's thinking is, and I'm going to speak for him now because the, the Antichrist is indeed a man, and then the false prophet is a man, but the false prophet 
makes a commands the people on the earth. Let me just go there and I'll read it to you. The false prophet commands the people on the earth to build a, this is, this is actually, um, Rod, the teaching that we're doing tonight. So, um, then I saw another beast. This is the anti, the, um, the false prophet. The Antichrist is the first beast that comes out of the water. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. That's not a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's a dragon in lamb's clothing. Okay? He's the, he is the great deceiver. He exercises all authority of the first beast, so he's on par with him in his, uh, in his presence, and he makes those who are on the earth who live on it to worship the first beast. So he makes a global world religion of worshiping the beast um, whose fatal wound was healed. And so the whole world saw it and then wanted to, wanted to um, then worship the beast, the Antichrist. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven. This is the false prophet and the sky and the earth and the presence of all the people. So there's lying wonders, it says in 2 Thessalonians. And he deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs which he has given to them to perform in the presence of the beast. Telling those who live on the earth to make the image of the beast. Now, here we go. Telling those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast. So the beast is a real person, and we could go back to the beginning of Revelation 13 to read that, but he, the false prophet commands an image of the beast to be made, whose wound um, of the sword, uh, who, who the wound of the sword and has come to life, who was wounded by the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause all who do not worship the image to be killed. So the image is given breath. Now, remember, he's already doing lying signs and wonders. He's already called fire down from heaven. So does he command people to make an image? And maybe this is in the future in technology where robots are, are you could put AI into robots and he creates this image and then puts AI in it. And then people come and worship the beast by worshiping in front of this image. And the, this, this image knows if they aren't worshiping, kills all of those who don't worship. So this looks like it could be robots and AI. Um, and that would be what I think that Jack Hibbs is saying. He's not saying that the Antichrist is not a person because clearly in or early on in Revelation 13, the Antichrist is a person. But this image is given a voice, is brought to life, and able to speak. And that's <clears throat> what people, or we think, may be AI. Now, AI is nowhere, excuse me. Now, AI is nowhere where people think it should be, where people say it is. They say it's this amazing thing and it can write papers for kids and it can write sermons and it can tell you anything that you want to know. AI is only as good. Excuse me. AI is only as good as those who program it. Uh, a lot of times there's things that it says that are inaccurate. And um, boy, all you got to do is know something about a subject, ask it about it, and then get it back. What kind of people have programmed AI? A lot of times it's people that, that have a different worldview than we as Christians have. So it's completely different. But the idea of AI is that it would come to the place where it is conscious of itself. And I don't know if that will ever happen. I don't know if, 
ever a computer will go, it will be aware of itself. I think it may be programmed. You know, this I've heard this analogy that someone programs AI to make the best paperclip ever. So AI decides as it's going through the, the all of its research, the way to make a best paperclip is to get rid of humans. And so it gets rid of us. It figures out so it figures out a way to get rid of us. That's got to be somehow connected to robots or to real life to be able to do that. But it wouldn't be personal. I heard Elon Musk say, um, the way that we go down and build in a road and there's an ant pile in the way, we don't have anything against those ants, but we destroy them because they're in our way. So AI might destroy us because uh, we are in its way. And um, yeah, so, so maybe, maybe AI is used there. Um, but I am reminded that we thought that barcodes were the mark of the beast. I shouldn't say we. People thought the barcodes were the mark of the beast. People thought credit cards were the mark of the beast. You're not going to take the mark of the beast by accident. And maybe the beast is given power to speak through um, AI and maybe cryptocurrency, uh, programmable money is the mark of the beast so that you got money that's programmed if you've taken the mark. Uh, so, so perhaps those things are true, but I don't think that Jack Hibbs was saying that the Antichrist is not a man. Um, and let me just go back here and look here. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was saying that he's not a man. Um, when you go to, let me go to Second Thessalonians. I'm going to read you what it says about the Antichrist. What is the Second Thessalonians two? Um, I think three. Yeah. yeah. So, um, let me put this up on the screen here. So, let me read it from the very beginning here. Um, the Thessalonians believed they were in the tribulation period. Somebody had wrote them a letter or told them that they were in the tribulation period, and so they thought that they were. So, it says, Now we ask you, brethren and sister, in regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering to him. By the way, when people say there's no rapture in the Bible, there, there, this, is, this is the term I prefer our gathering together to him, the coming of our Lord and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure. Now, we know that they weren't thinking that Jesus had come to establish his kingdom, which is what some people try to say, because they're still moving along in their life and they're upset because they think that the, the gathering has happened. So they must be thinking that the gathering together to him, somehow they missed it or that they were in the tribulation period. That you, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by spirit or by a message or by letter for, as if from us. So whatever it is that's caused you to think you're in the tribulation period, you're not. He says, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now that's the day of the Lord is the gathering of ourselves to him. They think the day of the Lord has come. The day of the Lord here is not the second coming of Christ to the earth or they wouldn't have had a problem. But it's that, that day of the Lord, the, the day of God's vengeance upon the earth. He says, um, no one is to deceive you in any way, for it will not come unless the apostasy. Yeah, I'm in the NASB. Let me switch over here really quick. I'm going to go to the New King James because I just I'm used to reading it that way. Okay. So it says, no one deceive you by any means for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first. That's either the apostasy or they're gathering us uh, of us together. It's the word apostasia, which could mean falling away or being taken away. 
um, and the man of sin is revealed. Now, the man of sin doesn't need to be revealed before the tribulation period. The only thing that has to happen first here in 2 Thessalonians is that the falling away comes first, and then the man of sin is revealed. What do we see when he tears the first seal, when the Lamb of God tears the first seal on the scroll? The, the Antichrist rides forth with a crown that is a fading crown and a bow in his hand, and he's given the ability to conquer. So that's the very beginning of it. So the Antichrist will be revealed. Then he gives us a list of who the Antichrist is. He's the son of perdition. That's a person who opposes and exalts himself. That's a person above all that is called God or that is worshiped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's all a person. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now you know what is restraining that it may be revealed in its own time. For the mystery of lawlessness already at work only in he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one, that's person, will be revealed. The Lord will, will, will con, um, consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy in the brightness of his coming. So the Antichrist is going to be destroyed when Jesus returns. Uh, the Antichrist is also going to be thrown into the lake of fire. So I really don't believe... I really don't think that, that he said that, Rod. Now, it's possible that he did and hadn't really thought all these other things through, but I, I, don't, I don't think so. I know Jack. So, yeah. Um, I think he was talking about the beast. I mean, he's talking about the image that the false prophet has him make. That's what I think he was talking about. All right? So, thank you very much uh, for your question. I appreciate that. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, we have a question from Kay. Uh, Kay says, if God told Satan that he would crawl on the belly and eat dirt of the earth, does that mean us? Okay, so let me just see if I can get this right, Kay, with what you're saying. If God told Satan that he would crawl on his belly and eat the dirt of the earth, does that mean us? No. Um, Let's just go to Genesis 3, and let's just take a look at this here. Um, we've had a couple of questions a couple of weeks in a row about this. So, um, so let's see. Let me go. I'm going to go past the point where... Let's see... Just go to here. We'll go to right here. We'll pick it up from here. <clears throat> now, this is after they fall, and they make coverings with fig leaves, okay? And, the, and, and Eve has had the interaction with the serpent. And they heard the voice of the God of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam, his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman you gave me, uh, gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. Now remember in the beginning of this, it says that the serpent is more cunning than all of the beasts of the field. So what the serpent is today is not what it was in that day. And this is a beast of the field. 
So the one who is cast onto their belly is the serpent itself. Now, possessed by Satan, okay, on the belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. So that's the, the, the snake. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed, spiritual, Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, you over your father, the devil, and her seed, that's Christ, her descendant, Jesus, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. All right, to the woman, he said, and then he goes on talking about um, the consequences the woman has, the consequences that the man have uh, for their part in it. So to answer your question here, um, Kay, no, it's not us. We don't go on our bellies and eat dust. That was the serpent who was more cunning than all the beasts of the field, so is the smartest of all the beasts of the field and seems to have cooperated with Satan and so was punished for his part in it, okay? And it is the serpent that went on his belly, not Satan and certainly not us, okay? So thank you very much, okay, for your question. I appreciate that. Uh, so uh, we have a question from uh, Vance. Vance, good to see you. Good to have you here. Um, for one of my uh, for one of my pastors, the thousand year reign of Christ will humans go from living at mostly one hundreds to one thousands, and will they have jobs and kids born? Uh, thanks, Vance, for your question. Uh, yes. So the children of Israel, the the nation of Israel, is protected supernaturally by God during the tribulation period, and Satan attacks them. And, and they are given two wings like an eagle to go into the wilderness. And, the, uh, and, he, and he opens up his mouth, Satan, and sends a flood after them, which is probably a reference to an army. And, they, uh, and, the, and the earth opens up and takes the, the flood. So they are protected supernaturally. And then the dragon goes to make war with the rest of, um, with the, what's the terminology it uses? Yeah, the rest of those who serve God, those who follow Christ. So that's the Christians alive in their day. So he turns to, to um, attack them. And tribulation saints, those that are in the tribulation, if you are a Christian during the time of the tribulation, the Antichrist has been given authority over you to overcome you. So if you become a Christian, you decide, I'm not going to take the mark of the beast, then you, the Satan has the power to overcome you. I don't know whether any of the Gentiles will survive. It certainly seems like there will be very few. But if they do survive, then when Christ comes, he sends his angels out to the four corners of the earth, gathers everyone together back to himself, and there he will rule and reign in Israel over all of the remaining people of Israel. They will have children, they will have families, they will live their lives for a thousand years. There's a passage in the Old Testament, I wish I knew where it was, Vance, uh, that says that um, if someone lives to be 90 years old, he'll still be a child. So yes, the years will be restored like they were before the flood when people lived longer. And it is, now you and I are going to be caught up together. When the resurrection happens before the thousand year period, I don't care where you want to put that rapture at, but when, that, when the gathering happens, the resurrection, then there's a smaller event that happens where people who are alive and remain are caught up to meet the Lord in the air and forever be with the Lord. Paul spoke about this in the re resurrection as well when he said, behold, I tell you a mystery, we're not all going to die. We're not all going to sleep, but some are going to be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. 
So we are going to be transformed. This corruptible is going to put on incorruptible. This mortal is going to put on immortality. So no one who is following Christ will be living, having children during the millennium period. Unless they were tribulation saints that survived the onslaught of the Antichrist. If they were able to get out and hide and survive those seven years, which it seems the more we learn about the tribulation period and, and the power given to the Antichrist, the false prophet, it doesn't seem like um, any of the, it, when you become a Christian during the time of the, the tribulation, uh, then your life's going to be taken from you. All right? So, yes. Um, so, just looking over your question. Um, for, um, yeah, a thousand year reign, Jesus will be humans, go from living mostly hundreds to thousands, yes. Will they have jobs and kids and be born? Yes. Yes. They have lives just like we have. While another, another thing that's happening here, Vance, is that God is fulfilling his promises to the nation of Israel. God's made a bunch of promises to Israel that he hadn't fulfilled yet when he created the church. And so he's going to turn back to Israel. The tribulation period in Jeremiah 37 is even called a time of Jacob's trouble. It's not a time of trouble for the church. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. All right. So thank you very much, Vance, for joining us and for your question. Appreciate it. I'm looking forward, by the way, to getting to the tribulation, uh, getting to the um, millennium period in the book of Revelation and answering a lot of these questions because it seems to, to me that there's just a, some misunderstandings that a lot of people have a lot of misunderstandings about what the tribulation period is going to be. So Jari has a question about the boycotting. Uh, Jari, not Jerry, Jari. Jari says, follow up on boycotting. Should we even bother with politics? How do we know Republicans or Democrats are true Christians? Isn't it better to just witness for Christ and not political stuff. Uh, well, we certainly know that there are Republicans and Democrats who are not Christian. Okay, A lot of them who are not Christian. There are Democrats and Republicans who are Christians on both sides. My job isn't to try to figure out who has more or, or and, and yeah, I have an opinion on, on who is, you know, yeah, I have an opinion on who's closer to, to, to what God wants. But as, as an individual, I vote. I vote for people that have my views as a Christian most of all. Um, the main thing that I vote on is the killing of the unborn. That's the main thing that I vote on. Because I feel like we are very much like ancient Israel that sacrificed their babies. They sacrificed their babies to Molech, the god of pleasure. And I think that, that today the United States is sacrificing babies to the God of pleasure. We don't want to mess somebody our lives up. And so we're willing to get rid of the human life. And it's funny, people will also will, will say, well, in certain cases like rape and incest, then you could go ahead and do it. Then it'd be okay to do it. But I heard Greg Kokel talking about this. And he said, if you have a two-year-old that is standing by, right next to you right now, who was the result of incest, can you kill that child now? Because of the incest, can you kill that child now? Or if you have a child that's right in front of you, and I know someone, I met someone not long ago, that was the result of a rape. His mother was raped and, and chose to have him. If you have a two-year-old, could we, could we take his life now? Could we say, you're the result of a rape, so we're going to take your life? And so it's not as cut and dry as what people think. Um, 
so those are the reasons that I vote. I'm a po I'm political. Um, I care about what our nation is doing. I I want to I vote on a local level. I vote on a national level. I am not a nationalist Christian or Christian nationalist. There are churches that are that that are just much more political. Uh, Jack Hibbs much more political than what I am. And we've had people who come to our church from his church, and they're like, why aren't you more political? And I say, I because I have been called not to be involved in politics. I've been called to preach Christ. And I see Jesus bringing the message to, to of salvation and giving himself, not getting involved in the, in the Roman government that he could have. So, uh, one time some people came to him and said, did you hear about the blood of the, the Galileans that was mingled with their sacrifices by Pilate? Perfect opportunity for Jesus to get enraged and to say, how dare, I can't believe that they would do that and to give us direction on how we should get involved in correcting governments. But instead he says, do you think you're any more righteous than they are? But unless you repent, the same thing will happen to you. So Jesus stayed on task. And Jari, I think that we need to stay on task as Christians. Um, yeah, we just need to stay on task. I heard someone say one time that if you're a preacher that's just preaching the gospel, then you need to repent, which is just so far away from what the truth is. If you're a pastor and you're involved in, from the pulpit, you're using the pulpit for something besides preaching the gospel, then I think you need to repent. That's that The pulpit's been given to us to preach the gospel of Christ and to see people change. And certainly it fits into certain times when we find things in the Bible. But as far as I can tell, nothing in the Bible tells us that we should be involved politically to try to make a difference. It doesn't tell us that we can't personally do it. And if you're a politician or you're called to be a politician, that's all good. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the church, what we as the church actually do. Okay? And, um, yeah, there's no way for us to know who are our real believers anyway. Um, so, yeah, when I'm in the church, I, I will stay away from it as much as I can. But personally, you can bet that I'm there voting because we've been given this nation where we can do that. We have the freedom to be able to vote. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is far more important than who's president. Far more important. And a far more importance in people's lives. All right, so thank you, Jari. I appreciate that. We have a question from Paul. Paul says, um, questions. Henry Ford hated Jews and Hitler, loved Ford's um, writings, and loved Ford. We know what Germans did to the Jews, so should we not buy VWs or Ford cars? Well, I think that Henry Ford is long gone. And are those... Let's think about... All the people in the the that work for Ford that are making a living through Ford. If we're going to go back and look at their founder and make a decision to boycott them, why are you boycotting them? The reason you would boycott something like like Kohl's or um, Target is because you don't like what they're doing. They're doing something here that is promoting a certain lifestyle we don't agree with to children. So you would say, I'd rather go somewhere else. So if you go to buy a Ford car, which doesn't have the founder alive today, Paul, but you go to buy a Ford car and, and they're somehow promoting something inside of it, um, then 
that's when you don't buy the car. That's when you go somewhere else. I'm not going to buy this car. I'm going to buy that car because of it. And like I said, um, this is just the newest you know line on this. This is this is the expansion of this. This has been happening for a long time in Disney in Disney films, a long time. And there are those that do boycott them as well. It's just that more and more people are becoming more and more aware of it. All right. So, yeah, I don't think we should boycott Ford because Henry Ford was um, an anti-Semite. All right. Um, He's long gone. Now, if the leadership begins to do things or say things or advertise in the hating of Jewish people, then, yeah, we would want we would want to uh, distance ourselves from that. Okay. So, uh, thank you very much, Paul, for your question. I do appreciate that. And if you are joining us here for the very first time today, really good to see you, good to have you. Um, we are answering questions from the Bible um, about life, prophecy, apologetics, um, just any anything that you have a question about, we would love to hear from you. If you're um, not a believer and you have a question, I, I'd love to interact with you. Um, we can be polite and kind to one another and talk about what it is that you would want to talk about. So, um, yeah, we have, um, we have a question, Artisma, um, why didn't God kill Satan? So yeah, that, you know, that falls right in line with what we talked about in the very beginning. And I don't know whether you heard that in the beginning when we talked about it. Um, but God's going to throw Satan in the lake of fire. Hell was made for Satan and his demons. And God has his purposes with what he's doing and able to choose, work all things together for the good. And God did not make us robots and didn't make the angels robots. So you can go back up and, and catch the beginning of this Q&A. Um, unless that's just kind of a follow-up and you're asking why God didn't kill him. And I think all of those things come into play. God's ways are as high above our ways as the heavens are above the earth. And God has a plan. And it was allowing Satan to be able to do what Satan is doing because God's ways are as high above our ways, is better than God killing him in the very beginning when he fell. All right, thank you. I really appreciate your question and good to have you here with us. Um, I believe that's your first time here. Really good to have you. Um, let's see. It's kind of taking a look at the uh, different comments that we have here. Um, we have a question from Sharon. Uh, Sharon says, why did King David need a young virgin to sleep with? Because he was cold. He uh, did have his wives. Was it really about him being cold? Help, um, hard to understand. Thanks, Sharon. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I don't need to go read it. Um, so when David got old, uh, they brought a young virgin in and she slept with him to keep him warm. Um, I, the text doesn't say anything, of them, them doing anything, so I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Um, I don't think the text does say that. How long is that text? Um, 1, 2, and 15. Well, you know what? There's just a couple of verses there. Let's go to it and look at it. And that way we can um, we can see it here. Exodus. No, Exodus. That's really funny. Uh, 1 Kings 1. Let me get there. 1 Kings 1, verses 2 and 15. All right. Yeah, here we go. So let me put this up on the screen for you. We'll take a look at it, Sharon. So here it says, um, 
Therefore, his servant said to him, let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our Lord, the king, that, and let her stand before the king and let her care for him and let her lie in your bosom that our Lord, the king, may be warm. All right. So he's probably having trouble being cold, but you're right. He has several wives. Um, he can bring them in. Let me go ahead and uh, go to 15 here. And uh, I didn't read in between this. I don't know if it says that anything didn't happen or happened. Um, let's see. So let me put this up for you. So verse 15 says, So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shulamite was serving the king, and Bathsheba bowed down to homage to the king. All right, yeah. So um, yeah, it doesn't really give us any, any information. And so Sharon... This is really important. Some things in the Bible are descriptive. They just tell us what people did. Some things in the Bible are prescriptive. They tell us what God that what we should do and how we should live. The Bible is full of things that are disturbing, even much more than this, although this is pretty disturbing, that are not right. And just because David did that, or the, the servants of David brought him her in, and David did that, doesn't mean that God was behind it. Everybody sins, everybody does things that are wrong. And here we have a king who makes a decision to, to do these things, and it's just a description, that's all it's doing, it's just telling us. And so, you know, what is, you know, why did the king need a young virgin to sleep? You, say, you said, he, he didn't, you're right. He had all of his wives. Um, was it really about him being cold? Hard to understand. Yeah, it's hard to understand. But yeah, it's just it's just telling us what happened. It's just descriptive. That's all. It's, it's just telling us what happened. And if we learn anything from that, it's that the heart of man will you know often doesn't seek God and doesn't look for the wisest way to do things. And I don't think that it was wise. I don't think that it was good. I don't think that we need to try to justify it in any way, shape, or form. Because it was, you know, like you said, he had wives to be able to, you know, crawl in bed and keep him warm if he couldn't get warm at night. Um, I, I assume they had other ways um, that they probably, you know, that, that they could have kept him warm without doing it. So all it is is description. It says nothing about God. It, it may say something about David. But we already knew David had certain problems, right? He's already got, he was supposed to have um, accumulation of wives. But he already did. So there are all kinds of problems uh, that he has had. Um, I think that's probably what he was saying. Ah, thanks, Rod. I appreciate that. Yeah, Rod said yeah, that's probably what he was saying, and he likes listening to us. So uh, thank you. That's great. Um, appreciate that. Uh, we have a question then from um, Revelation uh, One God Seven Seven Seven. So One God Seven Seven Seven. Good to see you. A question, Revelation 13, 7, the Antichrist will make war with the saints. Um, when does rapture happen? All right. So, um, Jesus said, you don't know when I'm coming back, so be ready. We call this the imminent return of Christ or the any moment return of Christ. Maranatha. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Jesus said, when you see all of these things begin to happen, look up, for your redemption draws near. So when all of those things are coming together and where all the last day signs are there, we are to look up. 
So Jesus could return at any moment and we don't know when he's returning. So he could return now and it's going to happen before the tribulation period. Now, you could say, well, if we don't know when he's returning, then he could have to come in the tribulation period. But once the tribulation period starts, then I know Jesus is going to return. If he's going to return at the end of the tribulation period, then I would know, well, it's seven years from now. Is he going to come back in the middle? Well, three and a half years. If he's going to come back pre-wrath, well, a little over three and a half, uh, three and a half years. I'm going to know when he's going to return. But the Bible says that we have not been given to the wrath of God. And the day of the Lord, talking about the tribulation period, the seven-year period, is a day of indignation, a day of wrath. And there are so many verses that tell that. And we, Romans 5, 9, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, have not been given over to the wrath of God. Um, we, we are, uh, let me just go ahead and, and read one of these to you. I'll read 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 to you. It's 5, 9. Um, and we just put it up here. Um, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's just go back a little bit and read it in context. It says, um, yeah, let's go here. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let not us sleep as others do, but watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us be oh, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to, to obtain salvation through Christ Jesus, our, uh, through Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So there's the wake and sleep thing in connection, in the context. The very next verse, we, God doesn't appoint us to wrath, but whether we wake or sleep, we will be with him. And so we are not going to be there uh, during the wrath. The hour of testing is for those who dwell on the earth, for earth dwellers. And in Revelation 3.10, and I'll put this up on the screen for you as well. He says this to the faithful church. He says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now there's a promise to the faithful who have persevered. I will keep you from the hour of testing which will come upon the whole world. So people say, well, that means through it, not from it. The word, um, where's the word at there? I also will keep you uh, from, that that should be through, that that could be through as well. But Revelation 13, 7 says, he gives power to the Antichrist to overcome the saints. And so you're not going to make it through the tribulation period. So this has to be from. God's going to keep us from uh, the tribulation period. So we have that promise that it is that we're going to be taken out before we'll meet the Lord in the air and forever be with the Lord. I want to take a look at another uh, passage here. Uh, let me go to um, Luke 21. I'm going to read this to you. I think it's 34. Where did I go to? Let's see. Yeah, so let's just take a look at this here. So he's talking about the last days. He's just got, he just finished talking about the parable of the fig tree. When you see all these things happening, know that the time is near. He's talking about, you know, all of the events of, of, the, of the last days that the Bible talks about and that Jesus talked about. He says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. 
We are waiting for him. We don't know when he's going to return, so we need to be ready. And if we're not ready, the day could come upon us unexpectedly. The Bible says that he is going to come at a time you don't expect him. If you're in the tribulation period, pre-wrath, you're going to expect him. Mid-trib, you're going to expect him. Post-trib, you're going to expect him. But here he says that it come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all of those who dwell on the earth. That's the same words that they used in Revelation 3.10. It says, because you have kept my word to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of testing that's coming upon those who dwell on the earth. So it comes as a snare for those who dwell on the earth. We're not earth dwellers, we belong in heaven. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all of these things. What's he talking about? if he's not talking about escaping the tribulation period. And um, all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. And there it is. It's the gathering. We escape all of those things and we stand before the Son of Man. And so we are to pray that we are being counted worthy to escape um, all of these things. Uh, The fact that it happens at a time that we don't expect it. In Luke 17, and we read this on Wednesday night, it says it's going to be like in the days of Noah. Men are marrying, uh, uh, given in marriage, um, and then the, the sudden destruction comes upon them. Same thing with Noah. That they were marrying, giving in marriage, eating, drinking, and then they got into the boat and the sudden destruction came. So it wasn't until Lot left that Sodom and Gomorrah could be destroyed and or Noah left that uh, the sudden destruction could come. It won't be until the church is taken out until sudden destruction comes. The whole interaction with Abraham Asking about the righteous men. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? Uh, if there are 10 righteous men, there are 50 righteous men, there are 10 righteous men, which I think he ended it with 10. He couldn't find them. But what God did was take Lot and his family and lead them out. He took who was righteous and lead them, led them out. And so we are not going to experience the wrath of God. We're going to be taken out before it ever happens. And um, those, are, um, those are just some of the, the, the reasons for the uh, pre-tribulation rapture, all right? And I I don't really like the word rapture because people argue about, you know, it's on the Bible. Um, It is in the Latin Bible, but I I like the word gathering better, as I said, our gathering together uh, to him. I, I like that word better. But to me, the any moment return of Christ and in the middle of the tribulation period, the end of the tribulation period, people aren't gonna be marrying, giving in marriage. They're, they're, when this wrath comes and the world's going through all this horrible stuff, things are not going to be going on like normal. And that's the whole idea that things aren't going to be going on like normal. All right. So thank you very much. All right. Um, see, I realize that this is a live program. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, pause this for a minute. I know this is going to be a little, little awkward, all right? Um, but I just got a note here, so I'm just going to go ahead and blank this out, and I will be back in a couple of minutes, all right?
Hi, how are you guys? All right, well, I just got, I, I got a call from someone that um, looked like it was important, and so I just wanted to make sure. All right, uh, we are pretty close to the end of our q and I'm gonna look for some more questions here and see if there's any more. Um, again, uh, good to have you guys with us. Uh, interesting, at least we've got, you know, the ability to be able to black the screen out and go take care of things that we need to take care of, right? So um, if, you, uh, if you have a question, uh, then you can write the word question, write out your question, and then read it, make sure it makes sense, and uh, then we'll go ahead and take it. Um, yeah, so Paul says follow up VW2. Yeah, same thing. I don't know where they are today, you know, the founders of it, but if we find out that they, you know, if they're, they believe something that causes you to go, I want to buy another car because of it, but we got to find out. We can't just say, that that was their foundations. We don't know what they believe all these years later, remember? I mean, it was a long time ago. All those people are dead. Um, so K. Fox says follow-up. Sorry, I was asking in Genesis 3, is foreshadowing the unbelievers that will follow Satan to Hades. Um, we are made of dust of the earth. Our believers will get um, a new body. Um, okay, yeah, thanks Kay, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, thanks for clarifying that. Um, in Revelation, there is a resurrection of the dead in, that are not the dead in Christ, and it's called the, the second death. There's the first resurrection, which would be the people that are resurrected during the resurrection rapture or after the tribulation period. Jesus was part of that resurrection, the first resurrection. But then the second resurrection is called the second death, and no... Um, Genesis is not talking about that when it curses the serpent for his part in it. Um, we could talk about what happens in hell, but that's not what's happening in hell. Okay? Thanks, Kay, for, for, the for the clarification of that. So her initial question was, is when the serpent goes on his belly and has to eat dirt, is that us? Meaning, is that our, our ultimate future? Is that what's going to happen to us? Um, in the future, and no, I don't think that it is. All right, but thank you very much for your question. I appreciate that, and for the clarification too. I really appreciate that. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, so um, so dry has a follow up. Uh, question follow-up, will there be water fish in the ocean or can we know everything without being God in heaven or and not care anymore? Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, the secret things belong to God. The revealed things belong to us. They're just all kinds of things that we don't know, Jari, and that just falls in line, line with that. Um, there's no more ocean, so I don't know whether there'll be fish in heaven or not. Uh, if you got a pet fish, that could be sad for you. I guess if it's an ocean fish, it could be sad for you. Yeah, there's um, there's just things that, that we are not going to be able to tell. And the why questions fall into that. Um, and those kind of questions uh, fall into, there's just no way that we can know unless there's something in the Bible that would begin to, to say something like that. All right? So uh, I, pre I do appreciate uh, your follow-up, though. Um, all right, so um, we have a question. Is it Romaine? 
who says, please explain the relationship between prayer and talking to God. Thank, thank you, Pastor. Uh, you're welcome. This will be a perfect one for us to stop on. We've got about a minute. Um, okay, prayer is communication with God. And prayer has several parts. Prayer is you talking with God. And you have worship in prayer, where you exalt Him. And we're taught in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's worship. We worship Him. You are worthy, O God. We lift you up. We praise your name. So part of our prayer is to is worship and thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for what you've done and how you've worked and what you've done in my life. Another part of prayer is intercession, where we are praying for people. So we have worship. Then we have intercession where we're asking God to help other people. And we want to ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Another part of prayer is supplication. We're requesting. We ask him, again, in the name of Jesus. We ask the Father in the name of Jesus. So Jesus said to this, think about this. He said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father who art in heaven. So we're, we're addressing it to God. We know he's in heaven. Hallowed be your name. That's worship. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so now we want to pray according to his will. Whatever we ask, we're going to ask according to his will. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. That's asking for ourselves. And forgive us our sins. That's asking for ourselves as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I need help forgiving people who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So that's the way we've been told to pray. So pray, prayer is talking with God, but you have worship, intercession, um, and, and, and supplication, which is asking things for him. And uh, another part of prayer would just be talking with God, just having a conversation with him, um, letting him know what your heart is. So that as you give him the day, and you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll pray in the, in the morning, Lord, I give you this day. Help me to glorify you during this time. Let, let me be used by you. So, that, you know, you're just kind of talking and asking, um, letting God know how, where your heart is, letting him know he can change your heart if he needs to, and also praying for other people and praying for yourself. All right? So thank you um, for that question. I really do appreciate that. And it's good to see you guys here. Good to have you here uh, for this Q&A. I hope that you guys stay close to Jesus this week. We've got a teaching in about an hour. It's on the false prophet. So we'll be diving in and we're going to look at six things that, that the false prophet is, what the Bible has to say about him, and uh, a lot for us to learn there. All right. So I uh, appreciate you guys. I appreciate you joining us, uh, being here with us. I hope the Lord blesses you and continues to do so. Stay close to Jesus. Uh, love you guys. I'm out. We'll see you in about an hour or so if you want to join us, either live. We have two campuses here in town or um, online at 6 o'clock uh, on YouTube or uh, calvertucson.com. All right. Love you.